Good evening, and you're very welcome to a bit earlier than usual in the week on Sunday night, uh, our special edition of the Women's National League podcast uh, for today. Aaron, of course, joins me again for another show. It's uh, it's a bit earlier in the week than normal, but I suppose we just took it the advantage. We're both sitting and we said we might as well jump in and do it uh, to get the, the week off to a good start. How's your last couple of days been? Yeah, been good. Got to obviously watch the big game of the weekend in, in Talib, so final. <laughs> uh, listen, we 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 all we all watched a bit of the other sports over the weekend as well. We all got to see the the joy in, in Irish sport, and that's yeah, been good. It's it's been interesting, and lots to talk about about from from yesterday's games, obviously. And you know, I'm looking forward to delving into them. Different different games have different different talking points, and I'm sure we'll get them across the next little while. Absolutely. Of course, uh, plenty of action over the weekend, as you mentioned, on the Gaelic fields, rugby pitches. But from our point of view on this show, we're really only focusing on what happened on the uh, women's Premier Division pitches over the last couple of days since we were on air. Um, I suppose, really, let's talk about Shelburne first. They were facing a daunting enough task of going over to Tala to try and keep their league title. They're slim enough before the game, league title hopes. Um, It didn't really go their way, and I suppose they'll be kind of ruin missed opportunities and a couple of fortuitous maybe efforts and some that shells might not be that keen on re- reflecting back on even over the next couple of days but disappointed for them beating in, in Tala 3-1 and effectively that ends their league campaign maybe not mathematically but as good as one point for peas is all they need to ensure that shells are out of the race i think the nature of the the v for shellburn is probably what what shocked a lot of people like I tweeted, I tweeted during the game. I was like, I haven't seen shells being cut apart that sort of that sort of way since they lost five 0 to P Mount. Even at that, they were the better side up until the first goal goes in against P Mount. But like, just how Roberts took them apart from the start. And shells got on the front foot early on, but they just never really got a, got a hold into the game. And once the first goal went in, you sort of thought, okay, they're gonna score a couple. First goal, I think Amanda McQuillan is, is quite poor for the first goal. Goes under our body at this level from shot from distance of Scarlett Heron. She should be really she should be really keeping that out. And then soon after went on went on you. I know I know she's gonna kill us for saying this, but to me uh, it's the question is is it a cross or shot? I'd be more inclined to say it's a it's a cross it's a cross, but loops over the back of Amanda McQuillan at the at the back post and then you're sort of thinking, when will they score again? Not if if they'll score again. Joy Ralph was just a, an absolute I'm not going to use the word. I was going to say a joy to watch, but absolutely, fantastic, absolutely. Fantastic. She was unbelievable to watch. Um, the, her movement, her her ability. You just have to look the look at the, look at the ball. She played in for the third goal to Alana McAvoy. Found her in acres of space at the back post, and Alana just taps onto me to say thanks, thank you very much. Like you could just see how much Rovers sort of stepped on the gas. How much? How much? Rovers realised I think it was a bigger game for Rovers than it was for Shells because Rovers hadn't beaten Wex hadn't beaten Piemont or Shelburne in the league, albeit they beat Piemont in the All Ireland Cup and Piemont sort of had a couple of changes, but they struggled to sort of get results. And you could see from early on they were intent and like just the link up play between between Rovers is probably what impressed impressed me most. Like to see every every attack, you're sort of thinking, are they going to create something clinical here in the in the first half? Like second half. I think Roberts took the foot off the gas. They re- they realistically knew they they didn't need to step on the gas. I, if they needed to go more, they probably could have gone more. Sort of allowed Shells a little bit back into it towards the end, but Shells struggled to create chances. And I think 
you look at the goal they did create, Rebecca Devro, a lovely left-footed strike. She's naturally right-footed. A lot of people have been talking about her for a, for a good while. What she's been doing for the shells on the edge, linking up with young Hannah Healy as well. Like The interesting thing is Noel King made four changes at halftime. He could have pulled any one of probably 10 players off off at halftime. He, he made he made the four adjustments, took off Alex, Alex Kavanagh, Megan Smith-Lynch, Rachel Graham, and who was the other one? I'm trying to think who the, who the fourth one was, but that just shows you, Morgan Reese. that just shows you he wasn't happy with how they were going forward. And like The biggest thing for me is is, is how the Shells turn this around, how the Shells sort of sort of go at Robbers again when they when they play play later in the week. Like I just think from a from a Shells viewpoint, they're a little bit shell-shocked at the way Robbers played because that's probably Robbers' best first half performance in the league by a mile. Yeah, no, yeah. It's it's funny you talk about substitutions because Noel is not exactly renowned for uh, making subs over the years. He's been very very slow at nearly every team I've ever seen him been involved in uh, changing his his tried and trusted favorite starting eleven. Um, from game to game, he rarely does it. So for him, it's a fairly big statement for him. We saw it in the Champions League where they made a load of changes late on, almost sacrificing the game. Was this an admission from him that he knew it was done and dusted by the time that kicked in? Yeah, it's yeah, it's I'd I'd say probably probably so. He wanted a bit of reaction. Like I was talking to Andy when we walked out of the game yes, and Andy was saying, "Is it a case that he wants to look at the FA Cup next week?" I don't know. I think it was more of a case he wanted a reaction, and I think he I think he knew he needed a reaction from his players. Like I think Christy Gray done done okay when she come on. I thought Hannah Healy Hannah Healy looked didn't look out of place, and obviously Rebecca Devro uh, created a couple of chances. Like realistically, you're, you're, you're sort of expecting will three or four of them three of them subs probably even start this week. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if they do, and like that's the sort of thing that you're expecting from Noel. He's gonna have to do something different. I just think from a Shamrock Rovers viewpoint, they're just motoring since the since the break. They're they've won every game, looked comfortable enough. The addition of Scarlett Heron into midfield has been been massive for them. I think Scarlett's done very very well for them. Then the one probably name that a lot of people were probably forgetting about was Joy Ralph. Joy Ralph probably could have went to any club in Dublin and and been and been successful. Come from she come from shells. Then she went to DLR originally underage. I went to DLR and then obviously on the Rovers, like any of the clubs would have wanted her. You can see how much of a, a threat she was. Like I, I even seen her actually when she was making her debut for for DLR playing against loads of bows. For someone so young, didn't look out of place, and you could see how much she's probably playing with a bit of confidence. And probably what the mill was being the mill was being good for her. But like you look at the, the Rovers, the Rovers defense, they'll be disappointed to concede that third goal. But if they don't concede that third goal, they're probably saying like, it's 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 been a it's been a comfortable a comfortable easy enough night for them. The third goal probably takes a little bit of a, a little bit of a gloss off it. But like you have to be very impressed with Rovers. You have to be what they've done. I thought if you look at the first goal in particular. Like it just shows it's a testament to Anya Gorman that she's chasing the ball all the way down to the touchline to keep it in play before playing it back to Scarlett Heron. Like that's just a magnitude of someone who probably doesn't need to do that, who could just rest on her laurels and sort of say, "Listen, I'm I'm in the twilight of my career," but she was she was intent on getting that ball and keeping that ball in play, and I think that's sort of the difference. Like Noelle Murray tried a couple of flicks here and there for Shelburne, but there was, she was just marshal she was just marshaled out of the game at long periods. You could see the Shells fans getting a little bit restless. Where they weren't getting what they what what they really wanted for the game. But I think the biggest thing for me out of the game, Breffney, is I don't know if you I don't know if you've seen it yesterday. The attendance at the game, I was very shocked. Three eight eight. Yeah, it's poor. It's it's poor, and that's the most worrying thing I think for the league is we're seeing players leave, and and we're seeing the likes of Abby Larkin, who was one of only two players 
to play in the World Cup from the league. She's now gone. She made her first start for uh, Glasgow City today. Um, that seems to be going well for her as well. She played full 90 minutes. And we're looking at the best talent take, been taken out of the league. And talk with the likes of Joy Ralph and Ella Malloy, we're going to chat about later. She um, was involved in the, the goal against Bo, or the, the, the equalising goal for uh, Wexford yesterday. She's probably the standout player on the pitch for both teams. Um, and we're seeing these type of players coming through. How long can we keep them? Where can we go? We've talked about this at length on the show, but in terms of how can we get these girls to stay and pick a, a women's national league team or a league or a league around Premier Division, women's Premier Division side as a real alternative to what's available in other countries at the moment? Can't at the minute what we've got, we can't. And like you, you'd like to know, was yesterday's attendance just a, a mixture of everything that was going on with the fact that female female playing up the road well, at the same I, time? A lot of hands. If the daughter or whoever was the fan wanted to go to Tally yesterday, I'm pretty sure the person who's likely to bring them, which is probably the sports parent, for want of a better word, I'm not going to say father and mother, but whoever's into the sport, I'm pretty sure they would have been told, do you know what? You can watch it on LOI TV. I'm going to watch the rugby. Um, the attendance, I was in uh, the showgrounds the day Ireland won the Grand Slam, and it was crickets. Um, and the, I was the only person in the media area uh, in terms of work and media, and um, there was very little there in terms of crowd. I'd say there was more on the pitch and the dugout than there was in the stand, and and that's just the timing of it. Um, and that's going to be a worry again for for next weekend. Yeah, although the game is forty five minutes earlier to to sort of, but that's that's more of a case of was that a case to suit them or was that was it always intended? But like that is your that is your danger, and you've also got the the P Mountain P Mountain Wexford game live on t- live on TV. It's, it's it's strange. It's an interesting time at the minute because we see the bounce off the the Irish women's team with the tickets for for, for the game in Tala. Like it's an opportunity to go and watch a, a big a big cup semi final in Tala. I know I have heard that Shells are trying to do a bit of promotion within their fans because they don't have a game at the weekend. Hopefully Rovers will do something similar and try and get big number, try and get some big numbers out and support. But it, it's it's difficult and you could really sense with the, with the lack of crowd there. Like Black, uh, Shamrock Rovers have had two or three attendance records this season. We've seen Wexford have attendance records for for them at home. We've seen Boas have attendance records. We've seen Sligo. We've seen many clubs actually have attendance records this season. But to see a crowd of 3AA for such a big game was disappointing, but it wasn't entirely surprising. Other than bragging rights, though, is it really that big of a game? Let's be honest about it, because ultimately both sides went into that knowing, okay, if they lose, they're out of the title race. But if they win, are they really in a proper race? Like it's a, it's a, It's a race, but it's not a race for first place at this stage. I get that. I get that. I, I, I get it. I think it's I think yeah, it's a bargain rights game, but I think when two clubs like that, I think the FAI tried to bill it as bill it as the der, the, the rings end game, the derby rings end. Where where both teams are originally both teams are originally being from, from Rings End. So that was the way the FAI tried to build it build it out. And I don't think I don't think it really caught on. Like I said the other day, I was like with the, I said to a couple of a couple of a couple of lads, I was like Shamrock Rovers women and Shells women don't really have that history of the the Rings End teams. Neither of them were around when when the clubs clubs are were in were in around the Rings End area. So I think the billing of it was it was quite difficult. It's it's a strange one. I I think probably you're right in what you're saying is with not a lot to play for. I think we'll probably have to judge the attendance really on this week. See what sort of crowd because it's a massive cup semi final. The other side of this weekend is obviously with a, with season tickets not being valid for clubs. Fans paying, fans paying in, home fans paying in as well. Will they try and push even, push even more? Like that's that's the that's the map, the dynamic that I think what that think is in play. And 
I'm a bit skeptical of what type of crowd they will get, but I don't know. I, I don't think the financial thing is an impact at all. I know, I know, everyone's kind of broke at the moment across the whole country, and everyone's got extra bills and all that sort of stuff. But at the same time, I think going to a game. I don't think paying a fiver at the gate or a tenner at the gate is going to be the difference between going and not. No, I don't. I don't mean when I say financial. I don't mean necessarily mean people paying in. I think from the clubs, it's a, it's a, it's going to have to be a big driver because it's an opportunity for them to create the extra revenue. Yeah. So I think that's where I'll be interested to see if Shamrock Rovers really push and Shells as well because you have to remember because it's a cup game. I assume Shells get get a, a share of the revenue as well, like they do in the men's cup games. So I assume it's the same thing. So it's the onus is on the two clubs to sort of drive drive attendance and drive drive numbers through the gate. And like I know last year when it came to the cup semi final between Shells and Bowes, I know I think Bowes season ticket holders got in for free and Shells season ticket holders got in for free. They decided let's just do it. Let's just get a crowd try and get a crowd into into Talca Park. And I can't imagine something similar will happen this week. But you would hope they get, that they would get a, de- a decent crowd because there's no met there's no men's league of Ireland games on on Friday night either, which is a which is a which is a help with the international break. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's move on from Shamrock Rovers and Shells. Obviously, they're back in action uh, this weekend again in that cup semi-final. Plenty to talk about that later in the show. Uh, you mentioned Joy Ralph. Let's talk about her former club, DLR Waves. They were uh, down in Athlone. Um, I watched a little bit of this game on Saturday afternoon. To be honest, it was a tough watch. A lot of the league was a tough watch this week. Again, we'll talk about uh, commentary non-existence again. Later in the program, too, in Sligo again. Uh, but at Lone Town, uh, DLR Waves, uh, what your thoughts on this game? It was a 1 0 victory for At Lone Town. Jesse Rosman got the goal. Um, but At Lone looked much the stronger side, and, and DLR Waves, they, they look to be in a bit of bother now. Yeah, they are. They are in a bit of bother. I think results are hard to come by for DLR. The, the type of fixtures they have. I've I, I seen Ken Kieran tweeting, tweeting yesterday saying we should remember Jesse's name but as someone who's going to make a, an impact in the league. I think from a from an Athlone viewpoint, at times they don't, they haven't been pretty but they've just been grinding the results out. I think for them, winning 1-0, they won't really care if it was pretty or not. They'll just want the, they'll just want the three points and it's a, stra- it's a strange one because where I is a little bit on the cup semi final as well potentially because it's a it's a, it's, a, it's another mag- massive magnitude like from an Athlone viewpoint I just think Athlone would be happy with the win it wasn't the greatest game you're right it wasn't the greatest game of football probably never was going to be I don't think that pitch really helps as well when it comes to, to great football but from an Athlone viewpoint that game is just about winning that game is just about getting getting three points and keeping that momentum going from DLR it's always it's 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 gone it's been a really difficult season. It do, it's not going to get any easier for them. And the one thing I will say is Laura's and Laura Heffernan has admitted that she said the problem is a lot of times they need to make sure they're not making they're not making the mistakes that they that they are making in games and they're getting punished. And like it's hard to see where DLR are going to pick up points between now and the now and the end of the season. The only real game you probably say is potentially even the, potentially the Sligo game. That's probably the only one that they may pick up something. I don't think you can say that about Sligo anymore after this. I don't think so, but that's the only game where you'd sort of say they may get something from. Yeah, I suppose DLR, when you, when you look at them, I suppose you look at the, the results of the weekend, guarantees they will be outside the top seven in the league this year. They'll be in the bottom four, more than likely in that eighth position. I, I can't see anyone getting enough points, although mathematically, if Sligo will continue their form, they will pass them out, but I think that's a bit of a stretch too far, potentially, for Sligo. Um fifth place last year they've really dropped from the top of that middle tier within the league almost out of sight and and it's worrying that they're 12 points off at loan ahead of them but only 
five ahead of Sligo who have, like, by their own admission, probably not had the best of seasons. So, DLR, they've just collapsed this season. DLR were expected DLR to be. Unfortunately, when when so many players go out the door in the last three windows, it's really hard for hard for DLR to compete. They haven't really got that, how would you say, magnitude of talent pool at underage. So when they lose a, a decent player, how do you replace them? That's the problem for them, and that's that's the conundrum that they're struggling with at the minute. And like they're they're aware of that they're aware of that the problem is with the likes of DLR. We probably would have said this about Shamrock about. P-Mount as well, that when we've seen P-Mount lose the players, how are they going to replace them? But they've been able to replace them with some of the youngsters that they have because they have a decent academy. Whereas DLR don't necessarily have that. DLR necessarily won't have to bring in players from other clubs to, to sort of facilitate their underage teams. And it's very difficult for them to get the players to, to be able to make the step up and make the, make the transition. Like you look at the average the average age of that DLR Waves team, I'd say it's quite young. I'd say Jess Gleason. Jess Gleason is by far the oldest player. I'd say the next youngest player is probably next oldest player is probably about 22, 21. Like there's a massive dis- uh, disparity between between age and experience, and I think that's DLR's biggest problem is that with them not being able to hang on to the players, the the experience that these sort of players have in the league, and you'd have a bit of a fear about the upcoming transfer window as well. Can they hold the players again? Will they find it difficult to to keep the players again? I would say probably yes. The problem is, from a DLRI's viewpoint, is when other clubs can are able to offer certain things or or, or, or re- financial things to sort of in, in a way of an expense or something. How do you keep a player? That's the problem. How do you keep a player? Like the one player, and I'll be out out today, but she, she didn't play this week again. She was she was on the bench last week. How they've kept Eve Bandana is beyond me. Well, it's funny you've actually preempted my next question because there was a bit of a trend in recent weeks in the league, and it was very evident this week. We're starting to see. I'm going to say second choice keepers, reserve keepers, or people who have players who have filled those, that role predominantly through the the season. Um, and DLR is the first one. We talked about this maybe last week or the week before on the show about uh, Rugile, Rugile, Rugile. Okay, um, making her uh, coming into the team and kind of making an appearance there as well. But we're also seeing that Neve Coombs replaced Neve Reed Burke at the weekend for. For Piemont, uh, they got through that 2-1. There was no major issue there. Of course, Neve's well-established within the league herself. Uh, probably the most experienced number two in the, in the league this season. Um, Nicole Nix has come into the team in Wexford as well. We're starting to see these youngsters coming in and really impressing through uh, th- through various performances. And, and as well, Maeve Ryan came in. She played a little bit with Treaty over the years, but uh, Rachel Kelly, who was sent off, she came in, saved a penalty, and then unfortunately, from her point of view, did concede it. Well, not, she didn't concede it, but... Uh, there was a penalty scored on her for Bose to take a or for Wexford to, to steal a point at the end, a point they probably deserve to be fair. But these young keepers coming in, uh, there doesn't seem to be that that gulf in, in class in terms of these youngsters coming in with little or no experience and producing impressive performances. The funny thing is, though, you, you've talked about the likes of Neve Kilms. I think Rachel Kelly's even younger than the likes of Neve Kilms. That's a funny thing. I mean, Rachel had not Rachel sat on the bench for a long time for, shell, for shells before. Having a little bit of a spell abroad and, and impressing with coming to Bowes. But you're right. Um, Regilis came in. She had a bit of experience with Bowes playing in the National League and then, then went to DLR, had to, buy, had to buy their opportunity. But the Wexford one is interesting because Wexford have also played Claudine Keenan this year as well, a little bit and sort of given a bit of a rotation in, within the goalkeepers. And like Maeve Williams has been sort of number one. And then all of a sudden there's been little chopping and changing. Like I even I look at the Wexford under 19s team quite a lot just to see what's going on because they've just got. Oodles of talent, 
within the team and you sort of look who's playing like you look last week Alan Malloy started for you under 19s in a game against Cork and you're sort of thinking oh here Cork had some good ones playing as well but then you're looking at the goalkeeping situation and then one week it could be Nicole Nixon goal the next week it could be Claudine and goal sort of a bit of chopping and changing as well whoever's not on the bench for the first team and like I think there is some re- there is some really young goalkeepers I think Summer Lawless is another one who sort of deputised a couple of times for Amanda Budden in goal for Shamrock Robertson hasn't really put a foot hasn't really put a foot wrong the problem with these young goalkeepers is they need to play they need to play games. I know May May uh, Ryan at Bowes has played a lot of under nineteen football as well this year, which has probably allowed her to be able to come in and, and do what she's doing for, for Bowes. And I think that's probably helped a lot of these other goalkeepers is the fact that they're playing a lot of underage underage games. I think the one bonus of for a lot of these keepers is that the under nineteens keep the way you can have a couple of overage players, have your goalkeeper as, as one of them is 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 always it can always be a nice bonus. Like I think if you look at Shell's underage, underage teams this year, I'll, I'll ask you the question before I'll tell you who it was. Who played in goal for Shell's under 19s in, 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 in a recent game? He asked me this before and I can't remember who you told me. Uh, I, I got it wrong then. You told me the answer and I can't remember what it was. Gemma Quinn, Gemma Quinn, played, in goal, Gemma Quinn played in goal for them. Yeah. So, like, you know, what I, you know what I mean? And that's the sort of the thing where I think there is good goalkeepers. Katie Keane was sort of, I think from what I hear, Katie Keane was sort of told by the FAI, listen, you need to you need to be playing regularly if you want to get into the Ireland under nineteen squad, which is which is valid and fair, especially with some of the other keepers that we, we've we've talked about. So for that to happen and then her to go to Wex, go to Athlone and sort of really stand out and make herself established, like I said at the start of the season, and I said it on this show as well. I said I thought Katie Keane should have been given a chance at shells in, in between the posts. She obviously made her debut against Sligo away, but other than that, she hasn't. And I thought she was someone who who probably should, could have done, could have done Shells a good job and may, may well have been in, in between the posts. But the problem, the, not necessarily a problem, well, maybe it is a bit of a problem. Having so many young keepers coming through is where do you facilitate them all? That's probably what the problem is over the next couple of years because we say problem to have though, like genuinely, it's a great problem to have. Yeah, but the other the other side of it is is and we say we say this regularly is is. Going forward, we're, the next crop of talent are probably going to be better than this crop of talent because of the infrastructures that have been there with the underage leagues. Is where do you facilitate all these players? And I think that's where, when we eventually see the expansion to a second to a second division, that that's where we'll see a lot of these players play and get an opportunity. But and and then they'll step up into the bigger clubs into playing. And like it, it, it the future is bright. It's it's great to see so many young keepers getting opportunities and playing playing for the clubs regularly enough this season. Absolutely. Um, of course, that game, Dior disappointed with that 1-0 defeat, but uh, to be expected, that's a much the stronger side. Um, coming back up to the top of the table, Piedmont United, they know what they have to do to win the league title, just keep winning and the rest of run out of games. Before we talk about the, before we talk about the pitch, what happened on the, what happens in the actual game itself, we have to talk about what's that, what happened at the start of the game. Go on. Piedmont played the first 12 minutes with 10 players. Okay. So I was not allowed to start the game due to a nose person. Therefore, he said it needed to come out. They couldn't get it out. And Piment ended up having to substitute her after in, in the 12th minute. By all accounts, she was absolutely distraught. Um, having to come off so early. If that had been a big game and Piment had to drop points, it would have it would have been a massive a feel for Sive. It's it's one of these things that I wasn't aware this happened, but the rules clearly state you can't have that kind of a piercing. I know most girls tape them up or or whatever. You probably find it hard to tape up your nose, though. Um, but 
if you're not allowed it, you're not allowed it. I know some referees probably maybe turn a blind eye to it, but in my experience, a lot of them, a lot of them would have the exact same reaction to that. Yeah, I that I don't I don't blame the officials on this, but I think it should have been sorted before they even went out to warm up. I think it shouldn't have, it shouldn't have ever got to what it got to because it's a bad look for Pima for Pima and it's a bad look for Saiv. And like listen, Saiv is one of the top top players in the country. Saiv is Saiv is one of the candidates for football has to be one of the candidates for player of the year this year along alongside our, our Pima teammate and Karen Duggan. So like it's just I think, it's like, I think Karen Duggan's head and shoulders above everybody, uh, but that's not a slight on, on anyone else that would be nominated. I think she's gonna she would have picked it up at mid-season break to be quite honest with you um and just but that's not here there but you're right side dollars had a very very impressive season it's a rookie mistake from her from the club i can't really blame the official though i think it's just the rules it's sad to see it. it's sad to see it happen and that's what that's the more the, the thing it's sad to see it happen but i 100 don't blame the officials on that one and sort of if I, you're only thinking if <laughs> what ifs if <laughs> You're only thinking what what ifs if I had a, if I had to come back to back to bite them, but on the field, Treaty made them work hard for. It. They didn't have it. They didn't have it their own way. Aaron McLaughlin from the from the spot, and then Aaron got the second goal, and it was former Piedmont player and all of Fitzpatrick with the with the goal for Treaty. Like we said last week, they wouldn't have it easy. They didn't have it easy. Treaty didn't come up to Dublin just to lie out, lie down and give them give them the three points. Another good defensive display from from Treaty from Treaty United. Alvin Heisel probably disappointed, but for James O'Callaghan's side, like that's what fifteen wins, one draw, one loss. Like the record is just absolutely unbelievable. It's it's mesmerizing to even think how how many points they they've picked up in in in, in the games and not dropped them. Like if they get a win this weekend, they're literally. Within touch and distance of, they're within a point of when they need four points from the last three games to pick up the trophy and like every t- like I'm I'm I hate to say it but I'm running out of things superlatives or things to say about Piedmont at this stage and I sort of I sort of want them just to get over the line so then we can actually you know give them the full praise they deserve because what they've done out in PRL Park this year is nothing short of nothing short of sublime it's not it's it's been unbelievable like. They, they've they've done it the hard way as well in a lot of games. They've 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 dug out results where they probably shouldn't have dug out results. And I think character is probably the biggest thing. And as you say, you've mentioned her name already. Karen Duggan leading from the front. Karen Duggan is she's an icon in this league. She probably with the likes of Kylie Murphy, Pearl Slattery will go down as some of the biggest icons on your Gorman to have played in have played in this, in this league and like continues to to drive from the front. And like it was a, it was a good three points for payment, but they did have to work from. Absolutely, uh, they proceed on towards that league title. I think it's destined for uh, PRL Park, uh, and it will probably be, in my opinion, of in whatever number of years, thirteen years, twelve years of of watching this league, uh, probably be the most impressive performance on its own merit. But also considering how they were rated at the start of the year, it doubles the the impressiveness of, of that. I, I have a lot of time for what's, what's happening down there on and off the field. Players they've also left during they've lost during the mid season. Tara Hanlon through injury. Kate Mooney going out the door to to, to Lewis like <laughs> it's not even the start of the season then mid season they lose players and you start thinking oh no not I again do, I do think though that time will catch up with them unfortunately and I think the the way the the league is going we saw 
Uh, the likes of Sean McGrover's coming into the league this year. We see Galway United merging with the, the men. We see Wexford uh, merging. They were merged with the men, but officially, in terms of branding and everything, becoming part of the men's club and all becoming kind of standardised between the men's and the women's. And I think the fact that their women's side is the dominant side in the club will ultimately come down to it. They don't have the facilities of the others. They don't have the... Uh, while they do have the underage talent, they don't have the same structures uh, that exist in the League of Ireland in terms of funding and all that sort of stuff. And I think that will catch up with them. But I love that they, I love that they gave one last kick in this. And it might not be the last kick, but it's some hell of a kick over the last uh, eight months well, or so. I think I think realistically, they, they probably will get told at some stage by the FAI, listen, like saying Kevin's were told when Kevin's come into the underage teams, you either link up with a team or you're gone. Yeah, I think we may, we may see that eventually happen. But there is another the option, and I'm just throwing it out there, and this would be phenomenal uh, for a story point of view. They could be told you got to be part of a League of Ireland club, so it's like, okay, let's put a men's League of Ireland team in. Uh, that would be a beautiful story that the women's side was what dragged the men's into the League of Ireland. I, I can't really see that happening. I can see it being much more realistic that we will see them link up with um, with someone like St. Pat's, uh, merge probably- with St. Pat's. Uh, and Piedmont would be their training base and their underage game base and then they would play their games in Richmond Park I think that's probably more realistic I know Pats have a women's setup, but I can see those two being merged together uh, Pats obviously operate make, it makes so, make so much sense but the thing the thing is though like everybody like everybody just writes Piedmont off Piedmont, like, everybody probably said Piedmont will drop out of the two years ago we did it at the start of the year yeah but the, but the thing is though we did it at the start of the year, but we were quick to turn around and be like, oh, sh- sugar, have we made a mistake? Have we made a mistake? We were quick to realise we've made a mistake. We've made a bit of a mistake here. And and the thing is, I think I think James O'Callaghan gave me a bit of abuse recently when I, when I was chatting to him. He's like, oh, yeah, you're, you're giving us praise now. But like the thing is, they deserve all the praise. They deserve all the praise they're getting. And that's that's the biggest, that's the biggest thing about it is that it's, it's, it's not what they've – it's not what they've – they don't talk about what they've lost. They talk about what they have and what what the next game is. And I think that's probably the most the most impressive thing. Like there's times where I, I try to be in a pain in a pain in the hoop, and I go to James. What about you know chatting about a game? It's three weeks down the line. He's like, no, I don't want to know about it. He's like, you can chat about it next week, no problem. But he's like, you ask anything about anything else, you, you know, you're not going to get anything out. And I think that they're just so solely focused on one at a time, one at a time. And I think that's probably been. A massive help for them because I think realistically, a couple of years ago, they probably, they probably went in 2021. They probably were thinking too far of a bigger of a bigger picture. Like I know there was celebrations planned for after the Dealer Waves game. They had everything planned that it was going to happen, and then it didn't happen. And then, like I remember leaving PRL Park on that night in 2021, thinking this is like a graveyard. It's like I've been at a funeral, and I didn't have confidence that they'd get over the line against Galway a week later, and then like. Coincidentally, I went to Talca Park that night when when Shells won the league. So, yeah, it's, you, it's, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they, they close it up. But I think I think they will. Uh, let's talk. Uh, let's look at some of the other games. One big game, I suppose. We talked about this at length. Uh, Slide was impressive form in the last few weeks. Continued into the first half of their clash with Cork City in the showgrounds the other night. They were training up uh, just on the half on the half time mark. Uh, Madarity scoring either side or Casey Howe goal. Uh, those three have been super, or those two, should I say, have been super impressive for Sligo this year. But then it seemed like they switched off. Three quick goals in five minutes uh, turned the game completely on its head for Cork and uh, they came away with a point. 
that they very much deserved in the second half. And I suppose both sides have huge negatives, but also some really big positives in patches to take for both of the teams that have struggled this year. I remember seeing, and I said this to you off here, seeing Danny Murphy's comments, uh, reading them at halftime of, the game, of that game, where he was saying, would Sligo put their bodies on the line, thinking you've really roiled Sligo up, and then all of a sudden, second half, Sligo just capitulated. Like Alex Mendes scoring directly from a corner as well is, is probably it's probably just a the, the show, it sort of shows it was a bit of a how would you say it was a it was a rough period for Sligo and the one thing I will say from a Sligo viewpoint is maybe if that was the Sligo team earlier in the season when it goes back to three all Sligo lose that game I think that's probably the, the bit of a difference now is the fact that they were they were able to just hold on for a point I think from a Cork viewpoint that's a massive massive result Cork have been struggling for results and considering. They lost them in, in Turner's Cross to then go and beat them, to then go and get a point against them up in up in um, up in Sligo was probably as a massive res- result in the showgrounds. I think if you'd ask probably Danny Murphy be the, the, the happier of the two bosses, Steve Feeney would probably be extremely delighted with the first half, but he'd be he'd be terrified watching that second half back. And it's le- it's a lesson, it's a massive lesson lessons learned for for Sligo, but realistically you cannot let that three goal lead slip. You have to see that game out. And walk away with a with another big win. Then you sort of go into the the FAI Cup game against against Athlone, having come off the back of back to back wins. You're thinking, okay, lovely back to back wins. We go in here full of confidence, beating Bowers, beating Cork, and then all of a sudden they're now going in with beating Bowers, being pegged back from a three goal lead. How does how does the confidence look off the back of that? I'd say I'd say they were probably a little bit sh- shaken leaving the field with the fact that they let the, let it down, and, and it probably makes next week's cup game even more difficult against Athlone. Absolutely, and I suppose uh, we'll talk about the cup semi finals after we get through all of the games. Sligo, uh, like we said, Taylor two halves, three up half time, uh, end up losing the second half by the same scoreline. So, uh, three all at the end of the game. Finally, from last weekend, the one with a bit of controversy at the end of it, uh, Bowes and Wexford Utes, uh, 2 1 final score. But we're going to talk probably about referees and penalties and red cards, uh, as Rachel Kelly saw red with about 20 minutes to go in the game for. Uh, a strange situation. She came out, she gathered the ball at the feet of uh, Abby Brophy. Abby Brophy, correct. Uh, Abby Brophy came out, uh, some appeared to almost kick the ball out of her hands or kick it from under her control. Maybe uh, you can't quite see on the on the, um, the replay. And it's a case of Rachel Kelly reacts, throws herself on the ball, but brings down. Brophy in the process and referee has no hesitation pointing the spot and giving a red card. A goalkeeper, Maeve Ryan, comes on, saves a penalty, uh, but does concede another one later in the game for uh, Wexford to rescue a point. Ella Malloy was unplayable in this game, uh, but Bowes probably un- will be very, very hard done by by the fact that uh, they didn't take all three points and the circumstances behind maybe the concession that penalty and the loss of Rachel Kelly, who now they're going to miss uh, for a couple of games potentially uh, in the build up, in the run into the end of the season. Uh, from a, I'll talk about Rachel Kelly. I think Bowser are, Bowser are, are very hopeful that it'll only be a one game ban. It won't be it won't be extended. But we must have watched that replay back together about 10, 15 times. I watched it the same on Saturday when it happened. I, I still don't know what happened, and I've seen it maybe twenty times. And like from what I hear, Rachel Kelly's adamant that she, she kicked the ball out. Like for me, the linesman doesn't even flag to see anything. And I think the referee's positioning, he has he's behind Rachel Kelly's back. So Unless the officials are mic'd up and and the line I said to him, she she she's she's dropped it and he's kicked it from from the referee's position and 
I don't know how he makes the call. I would expect the lino to make the call because the, I think the lino is in a much better position. But when you watch the replay, the lino doesn't even flag. So unless the two of them are mic- mic'd up and the lino sort of said to me, it's a, it's, a, it's a penalty. But I think once he points to the spot, and like we've sort of had this conversation, Lisa, Lisa Murphy is there, but Lisa Murphy's not really reactive. Lisa Murphy is sort of stopped there because her keeper has the ball. And what she got there... It's 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 a. No, I think in circumstances, the way she stopped, I don't think she has a choice. Uh, it's oh, it's yeah. a game of what it what ifs. I'm not really sure she would have, and I think in that situation, once the referee points to the spot, he has to he has to give the red card in that in that sense. Um, by all accounts, Rachel is devast Rachel is devastated from it. Like unless we see it a better angle, it's it's hard for we can only go with what we've seen, and from what we've seen, it's not really conclusive either. So we can definitely see Abby Brophy's full. Fuck him out, but whether Abby Brophy just sort of throws the foot out, thinking it can will Rachel just drop it? And if right, like it, it's not really conclusive. It's, you can definitely it's, it's, see her kick the ball, but what you can't see is whether Rachel had control of the ball at the time yeah. or not. So it's, it's probably always going to be a, a she said, she said situation yeah. in terms of how that works. Um, I felt it was on, it was harsh though at the time on watching it, and even looking back, I can't see that it was a, a nailed on red card for Rachel Kelly. Um, I I probably if I was the referee I'd probably give a free out and that's the end of it you know what I mean just but then I don't know the specifics but how often do we see the free out there we don't often see the penalty yeah exactly you know, we, we rarely ever see the penalty there but the, re- the referee was quick to blow the whistle and quick to give the give the card and then Maeve Ryan coming on for for a Bowes debut we were talking oh, about her playing several several underage games for, for Bowes this season and in the 19s but then to come on and Come on and save a penalty. You're nearly like a, a folk hero around Daily Mount. They had the big screens up in the afternoon for the for the men's cup game for the people who couldn't get tickets. And then I seen I seen a picture of some of the players sitting in the stands watching the men. And then to go out, to go out like when she saves the penalty, I started thinking, okay, Bowes will probably rescue. Bowes will probably go on and win win the game. We haven't even talked about the, the other goals. Mia Dodds, it was it was a nice strike from Mia Dodd. Um, we had a bit of a discussion as to whether the goalkeeper's positioning, but you're more critical of Fred the man just passed it to give the ball straight away but me has me has struck many of them from from distance and then katie malone obviously getting her first goal as well for bows i think probably meant a lot to katie it's been a it's been a difficult enough settling in period for a change adaption of style and to get off the mark she'd be delighted but you were talking about ellen malloy ellen's first start ellen had, had a lot of fun playing on the 19s as i said earlier in the show the week before comes in for a first start for, for them and she just looks like she's never been away yeah it's, it's, it's just a joy to watch her and I, I can't wait to see her back in an Ireland jersey as well. And whatever the future might hold, I'd love to see her around for a bit longer. Um, uh, if she's, I'm not 100 percent sure what she's doing in terms of college, but I think she's in Carlo. So, um, I could be wrong on that. But it, it's whatever she's doing. I, I'd like to see her around for a few more years and kind of really grow into that women's national league. But she's as good as she wants to be, and she can be as good as she wants to be. I think we'll we won't be seeing her in the women's Premier Division for much longer. I can see her probably getting a move at some point if she, that's what she wants. Yeah, absolutely, and like just just the audacity to take the first the the, the the goal when the ball comes back to her first time, not even take a touch. It just shows someone brimming with confidence. And the the thing is, she shouldn't she shouldn't have that confidence considering how long she's been out. And I think that's just a testament to to Ellen for the fact that she had the confidence to strike that first time. And like she's only going to go get better and better and better. I think. P-Mount to be disappointed. P-Mount not disappointed. P-Mount be a bit gutted that she's back when when they when they when they play when they play Wexford at the weekends. They would have liked to see Ellen sort of taking her a couple of weeks because there's no doubt she's going to have a massive impact on that game. And like she's a, she's a she's a true game a, a true game changer. Realistically, 
I don't want Ireland Gleason to pick her for the Ireland squad. I don't want that to happen. Um, I prefer Ireland to not pick her for this camp coming up. Give her a little bit more time just to play a couple of play some more games for for Wexford. Continue to build that build their fitness and build their build their our in our in game sharpness. And then I, I would be more inclined to sort of look at bringing her back in for the for the two games at the at the at the start of December. That's for me. That's what I prefer to see. There's no point in rushing rushing Ellen back in just for the sake of having her, having her back in. I think anyone who can play that can play on Sunday or Saturday uh, should be in Ireland reckon, reckoning, and I, I expect to see her in that squad. When I, I just be care, I just be careful of her because we have to remember like she come back off on the 19th duty and then done the ACL. I just wouldn't want to overload. I wouldn't want to see her overload too much. It's I prefer to just take take the cautionary route. Um, there's no doubt she's she's no doubt she's one of the she's one of the best players in in, in the league. She's a player the likes of herself. As you say, we don't know how long she's going to be around. We don't know how long Tara O'Hanlon's going to be around in the league. Players like that. I think we just need to, we just need to appreciate them. Absolutely. Uh, all of that action at the last weekend leaves the women's Premier Division table looking something like this. Piedmont still lead. They have nine points to spare over Rovers and Shells in second and third place, respectively. Shamrock Rovers, with that game in hand, I don't think it's going to make that much difference other than maybe put Rovers just that nudge ahead in the race for second place. Go United, they sit uh, either last weekend, of course, they sit in fourth as Bowes. Wexford, they drew. That, they didn't overlap Galway or leap over Galway. They'll be quite happy with that. Uh, Galway with a clear run to fourth place now as the season progresses on. Uh, Wexford Youths uh, in sixth at loan. Uh, have closed the gap with a couple of wins over the last few weeks, have closed that gap to that group of, of teams in the middle tier of the table. And DLR, as we mentioned earlier, they're dropping down towards the bottom grouping there. Brefie, so while, we're, while we're looking at the table, I have to have a rant. Go on. Bowes played Wexford at the weekend yesterday, the 7th of October. The 4th of November is the next league game. It's four, four weeks between games. We said last week Pima had only played three game three league games since the World Cup. It's just so frustrating the fact of how stop starts. I think season. a lot of that is down a lot of that is un, unavoidable uh, down to the fact that there's eleven teams in the league. If there was a not an even number of teams, they probably have a game in that in that period. The eleven the eleven team thing for me, I said at the start of the season. I absolutely hate it. When we see it in the men's league of Ireland as well, I hate it because I don't like the idea of, of one team being idle on a, on a on a weekly on a weekly basis, especially when you've got international breaks. You've got if you're out of a cup competition, then you've got another international break. It's it's madness, and I think the problem the other problem is the fact that the league is only twenty games. It's only you only played twenty games this year compared to last year where you played more games, but. That was always going to be the case when the FAI decided that they were having such a long break for the World Cup, and we spoke about it off air. Was there a potential need with the with the num- with the numbers? But you can't. It's hard to sort of plan that. You have to plan that at the start of the season. So it's just frustrating with the fact that the gap in between games would have likened even to see even to see on the international breaks if we if we gone with the, the the shield or something like that to play to sort of for clubs who don't have an, and give an opportunity because I just think it's just so stop start this year and. With the fact of the World Cup being on, the international windows for the second half of the season are always going to be a bit up in the air or a bit mental. And like the fact we've got one in, one in September, one in October, one in the end at the end of the season. So just so back from the World Cup, to the eighteenth of August, you've already got an international window. For three three weeks later, four weeks later, you've got another one again. It's just it's just so stop start stop start. And I think that's probably been the biggest complaint from a lot of a lot of managers and a lot of teams this year is just how stagnated the league has been. Some of it's probably been 
out of the FAI's some of it's been out of the FAI's control, but like it's just been it's been it's frustrating and just with the with the way it's it's panned out. But World Cup year is probably a bit of a it's something it's an unknown for everybody in terms of Irish football. We've never had a major tournament in the summer, and the fact that the, the World Cup also played a lot later as well probably didn't help as well. Absolutely, but it's as I said, I think it's down to the mathematics of it, and it's it was always going to happen for somebody, and it just so happens that teams who are knocked out of the cup. Um, also idle with an international player or two and an international break. It's just it's all kind of snowballed. Unfortunately for Bose, it's them, but it could have been anybody in that. Bef- before we talk about the the actual ins and outs of the games next week, what's your thoughts on the fact that they brought the Piedmont Wexford game forward from the Wednesday night or the Wexford Piedmont game from the Wednesday night to the, to the Saturday before the cup semi finals to be played on television? As much as it's a pain for me in terms of because I would have liked him to do both games, I think the fact of having another game on midweek, television. But the less midweek games, the better. It's better. Yeah, I, I, I think you play the games on a Saturday. Um, I, I think that's a positive. Personally, I if it was up to me, I'd play all the games at the same time as well. Uh, on the website on finalwhistle.ie, we cover the AIL every single game is at two thirty on a on a Saturday. You get the odd deviation. You might have three to four games in a weekend that don't play at two thirty on a Saturday. There's like forty and games or something, isn't there? There's twenty five men's games and, and four women's games every week. The women's play at five. The men's play at two thirty. And I, I think it it allows you to schedule stuff. You know, you know, your game is going to be at the same time every week. There's more opportunity to promote that for home and away fans. There's more opportunity to kind of have a standardized um, excitement around games. So you're in Tala at a Shamrock Rovers match and you're hearing the score from the other games. It it does build uh, interest in the league. And I think it's just a little bit either that, or you go with a structure where they're like the URC in rugby, for example, where every game is at, specific times and maybe two games at each time so that people can sit and watch it through the weekend as a as a football um as a feast of football so if you're into women's football you can sit down and watch three games on a saturday two games on a sunday and that's your league and and everybody can watch every game um that's another model of, of doing it it just feels a little ad hockey to me and i think when you see stuff like the the venue messing in cork over the last few weeks um that doesn't help matters uh, like if the women are going to be in Bishopstown, put them in Bishopstown and build that as your home base. Don't be flipping and flopping from one venue to the other week in, week out. I just don't think it generates that. I said to you previously, I prefer the game to be called off than to be put to Bishopstown. And actually, because it was originally supposed to be a midweek game, then it was put to a Friday, then it was changed to Saturday in, B- in Bishopstown. I prefer it if you turned around and said, because they're local teams, listen, we're going to play it on a Wednesday night a week or two later just to make sure it's played there. Because I think for me, I, I've, I've said it, I've said it so many times. I don't like when clubs deviate back to, back to a, another state. We've seen it with DLR as well, for the fact that we're told the ball is not available. They have to play at home farm. Like that's a, don't get me wrong. Home farm is a, is a, is a, has some great facilities, but that's a, it's a, it's a weird touch of venue to go the other side of the city for two, for two Southside clubs as well. It's nearly as if it's just playing in an intro venue, just to play it. Whereas, you know, I just don't, I just don't like it, but I do think I do think your model of structure, like I think the URC the URC route would probably be a, be a better one for this sort of league for the fact that I think I still think women's football in Ireland is such a niche market when it comes to the fans and who watches the games and stuff like that. But over time, it's probably eventually going to go to a stage where we have with the AIL where a lot of fixtures are at the same at the same time, and 
that would then give a lot more structure. But I think that's a lot of the, a lot of planning that we may see as the league continues to grow and, and, and continues to expand. Yeah, hopefully we'll see that happen as the days come. So that is the league uh, wrapped up for this week. But obviously we've got two fixtures next week as well as a couple of cup games. Uh, two semi-finals in the cup. Let's start there. Shamrock Rovers and Shells repeated this week's game. We need to see a better showing from Shelburne in that game. Um, and then Sligo Rovers versus Athlone uh, immediately afterwards in the showgrounds. Um, I, I think... and. and I think it's it's probably I'm going to get myself in trouble here for saying this, but it, it seems a little bit lopsided. We're looking at lopsided draws in the in the men's rugby World Cup at the moment, where two quarterfinals are much more high powered than the other two quarterfinals. Semifinals could be very one sided potentially. Um, this could also have the same effect. Uh, Athlone, Sligo, despite showing flashes of good form in recent weeks, uh, have not been at the level of both Rovers and Shells. And you'd expect the winners of the cup to come from that semi-final, like maybe even along the lines of a of a six 0 like we saw a couple of, of years ago. That might be a little bit past uh, the point, uh, but I, I think you're being, I think Shells you're being, and Bowles, or Shells and Shamrock Rovers, you'd expect that one of those to come through and win the cup outright at this point, surely. I, I you would, but I, I think, I think, I think, and I, I'll talk about Athlone, Shamrock Rovers, Athlone, and Sligo Rovers first. I think I expect that loan to come through this game. I think Sligo will have their moments of success in the in the game, but I do think that loan will be too strong for them in, in the end. They probably they probably run out three one winners, something like three one winners for me. I think Sligo Sligo make it difficult for as long as they can, but once that loan maybe go one or two, I think they'll they'll be comfortable enough. I think that loan have a lot of rights right uh, wrongs to right from last year's cup. I think the first half performance against Shells last year was 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 very poor in the cup final. And I think that's probably what cost them because if they'd have started the way they started the second half, there's no doubt that they'd have, they'd have probably had a much better chance. And then if Scarlett Heron's effort goes in, that isn't it isn't given offside, then we could have had a completely different game. From the other one, I find it very hard to see how what shells are going to change to actually really be extremely competitive. I've said it on this show, said it to multiple people. I don't think Bar Maggie Pierce and probably Christy Gray. I don't really think the signings they brought in from abroad have worked. That they haven't been great. They haven't they haven't given them what they probably would have looked from it. I think Morgan Reese showed patches of what she is capable of. But it just I just it to me it just seems like shells are just a bit a bit conjointed. Um like Saturday just looked like a bit so they looked so unorganized at times. Like to see them ripped apart at ease was was a very big was a very big surprise. And how how do you how do they make that change? Does he change the goalkeeper? Does he bring back in Courtney Maguire? Does he give Amanda another goal? Like, I think Noel is Noel's going to have a real selection headache on, on on his on his brain this week. I think Collie O'Neill definitely goes into that a lot lot happier. Collie O'Neill, he, he sort of looked at to say, okay, we got the win, we got the win, we walk away happy. Whereas from Shell's viewpoint, Shell's are the ones who have to do all the changing. And are they capable of doing the changing? That's the question. Do they need to bring? They need to get Noel Murray into the game a lot more. I thought Kerry Lettman was 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 okay for them backing up a performance against against DLR, but like the fact he made the four changes at half time is he's just wanting a reaction. I think if he doesn't get a reaction in the first twenty minutes on Saturday and Saturday from his side, they could easily find a, a, a repeat of of what happened and then their season is nearly just about over. They're just playing out them last three games for the sake of it. Do Rovers win the semi final? Yes. Okay, uh, so we expect you're expecting to see Shamrock Rovers and Athlone progress through the games of the weekend. I'm playing Tallow Stadium in the final, yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. 
prime. Of course, a couple of Athlone girls have moved to Shamrock Rovers in recent uh, transfer windows, so plenty of a uh, bit of niggle. If that's how it comes through, I have already pre-ordered my humble pie servant for next week, though. So I know somebody's gonna upset me and, and upset you, and well, not upset us. We're gonna upset somebody, and they're gonna react to that. And we'll hear it all about it uh, in our text messages over the next seven days or so. Uh, let's take a look quickly before we uh, move on for this week. Irish players abroad this week. Some just big before moves. just before we do. Can probably touch on the league fixtures first. We haven't really. Oh, sorry. Of course, we <laughs> haven't touched on the on the two league games this week. At one eye on the clock, we're approaching the hour mark. Yeah, um, I'm con- conscious of that. I think I think from a from a Cork treaty point viewpoint, Cork obviously taking a lot of, a lot of good good credit from the from the result against against Sligo. Drew with Drew with treaty earlier on the season. I think treaty be looking to back up and get a win. I wouldn't be surprised if treaty come away with. From Turner's Cross with the, with uh, from Bishop's down with the three points, then in the other game Wexford Piedmont. If Wexford turn up, they could really, really, really upset Piedmont and and put the pressure on Piedmont. I wouldn't be surprised if this one ends this one ends a draw. I think Piedmont will have to be at their very best to get the three points, but I wouldn't be surprised, uh, surprised if Jens O'Callaghan takes a draw and walks away happy. Yeah, but at the same time, if he can put uh, a nail in Shell's coffin and. Uh... Almost in Shamrock Rovers title challenge as well with a win. I'd say he would be quite happy with that as well. Of course, uh, the lay of the land, nine points, the gap at the moment. Shells, three games left. They can get those nine points. They have a slightly better goal difference, uh, but it's unlikely that Pimmer are going to drop every single point between now and the end of the season. Although, not to tempt fate, but it has happened before. Shamrock Rovers have those nine points to close as well, but they have four games to do it in. And of course, they don't play it this week. Piedmont idle the week after, so they do have two opportunities to close that gap to what would look like a decent chance with three points between them, two games going if Piedmont don't win this weekend. Uh, in terms of the international players that we're going to get on to there, um, Amber Barrett, great news for her this week. Uh, she's had a rough season or two at club level um, across the German league. She moved to Belgium, Standard Liège, uh, in the off-season, and she's uh, had an impressive uh, start to life there. She's got four goals so far this season, two of them coming today. Uh, she'd be very, very happy. Although the side lost in a top-of-the-table clash in Belgium, two goals for her in her 90 minutes, her first 90 minutes for the club as well. Claire Reardon played most of that game as well. Um, some of the big news, Megan Campbell came back off the bench. She uh, played the last couple of minutes uh, in again Everton um, in their game today. She'll be delighted uh, they got beat 1-0, but she'll be delighted to be back playing. Heather Payne played the full 90 there for Everton as well. Uh, Denise O'Sullivan, two games this week for her. Her side uh, doing quite well in the w- NWSL, but it looks like they've probably been pipped. I think they were beaten. No, the 0-0 draw uh, for her last night against... Um, San Diego Fs. That's right. Kira Carusa was involved in that as well. So we're seeing Irish players uh, really featuring at the top of... Uh, most of these competitions in, in England and Scotland and in the US as well as uh, Belgium and uh, Deborah and Delahart played a couple of minutes at the end of the game for uh, her side um, in or Koiga in in, in uh, Denmark as well today so loads of action there um, Abby no- Lark making her first start as well for, for Glasgow having come off the bench twice the one thing though you will be you will be just sort of paying attention to Caitlin Hayes didn't, wasn't involved at all today for 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 uh, Celtic in, in their in their in their their late game, picked up a bit of a knock against Glasgow on Thursday evening. So it'll be interesting to see if she's okay if she plays next week. The the one I'm looking at there, Sinead Farrelly. I think they were away. I think they were away in Oregon this week. So the Ireland squad will be announced in the next in the next ten days or so. 
Will we see Sinead Farley name that Ireland squad? If not, I assume there'll be a lot of questions asked because we were told it was due to a back injury. Played away from home. Had to fly. Do you want a Euro she, bet on whether she's in the squad or not? I think she won't be in the squad. I'm I'm on the fence. I don't know. I think I, I have a feeling she won't be myself. No, I think we might have seen the end of Sinead Farley in an Ireland jersey. Izzy Atkinson, she came on for her first appearance of the season as well for West Ham. And Aoife Colville, her first start for Glasgow City. So plenty of action, of course. Loads of other uh, players active. You can get all that information on finalwhistle.ie. Just go to the women's menu on the page and uh, you'll be able to just pick uh, through the various competitions and see who's doing well abroad. Uh, overall, of course, the Americans would have been a bit of an advantage here, seeing as they're a, a summer season. Um, the top four names Games all playing in America at the moment. Uh, but as you move down through the list, uh, plenty of Irish girls featuring in Scotland and England as well. Kira Grant, she was also out today, didn't feature for Hearts in their game. So plenty of Irish interest as we move around the continent. Of course, the Champions League back in the next couple of weeks as well. So uh, we'll be seeing a bit more Irish movement on that. Um, Aaron, your performance of the weekend, who's impressed you the most? Who who might be the surprise inclusion in Eileen Gleeson? Actually, before we get on to that, uh, Eileen Gleeson confirmed as the Ireland manager for the duration of the, the qualification stage, at least, of the UEFA Champions League this side of Christmas. Uh, and in other managerial news, uh, Wexford have advertised the role. They are looking for applications for a new manager. A, UEFA A license required. Um, will there be much interest? Anyone stand out to you? Could we see Tom Elms going back there? I suspect there'll be a lot of interest. I wonder will Will Doyle sort of put his name forward as well. You also forget, failed to mention the fact that Eileen Gleeson has told the FAI she doesn't want the job on a permanent basis. She has said she is just she's Hello. happy to go back to her, her role as as with the women's foot head of women's football and. Or the FEI currently have a, a long list, they said, where they'll be looking to whittle that down to a short list in the next month. So the progress is on ongoing in the background. I think there are a lot of applicants. I think there will be a good few applicants for the extra job. It's a, it's an it's an enticing project with the fact that a merger as well. Who'll want it? I'd say loads of them will want it. It's, it's a great it's a great one, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see some big names go for. It. Absolutely. Yeah. Watch this space. We'll see what happens uh, across Ferrycard uh, Park over the next few weeks and months as that process continues. But uh, there might even be more opportunities to get involved uh, in the league in terms of coaching because uh, there's a few pl- people maybe get to this time of the year, people start reassessing where they are, what they're doing. But Wexford, the first one to advertise for next season for a new coach. Uh, we'll be interested to see how that goes for them. Uh, that's it for this week. Aaron, uh, neck on the block. Will Pima get the points at the uh, that they need on Saturday? No, they'll get a point. Okay, we'll, might hold. But I do up. think I do think they'll be going their game after the international break. That will effectively wrap up the points, those four required to seal the title. Uh, Plenty of football left. Uh, We'll be talking about all of that next week when we come back after the FAI Cup semi-finals all to play for at the weekend. Talk to you then.